Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And this week, we're putting a flag in the halfway mark of 2022 with a compilation show and a look back at some of the incredible guests I've chatted to so far this year, because trust me, there's been some absolute standouts. So many, in fact, that we couldn't fit them all into one episode. We talk babies and parenting with Kate Lawler, Laura Tobin, Rachel Paris, and Zoe Hardman. We've got nostalgic for the 90s music scene with Nicky Chapman, Louis Walsh and Hanson, and relived some iconic moments with broadcasting legends like Simon Mayo, Fern Britton, Christopher Biggins and Richard and Judy. Not forgetting, of course, Sally Lindsay's hugely inspiring journey from Landlady at the Rovers, on Corrie to internationally renowned showrunner or politician Jess Phillips' shocking revelation that she's a massive fan of both Tipping Point and The Chase. Breaking news, Ben Shepard's been in touch. You can look forward to seeing Jess on a future episode of Tipping Point. That's what happens when you come on White Wine Question Time. So let's celebrate some of the biggest and best bits so far as we dive in to some truly vintage moments. In April, I sat down with broadcasting legends, true small screen royalty, Richard and Judy. It was such a lovely chat, we didn't want it to end. So much so that, in fact, we turned the show into a two-parter. And even then, we couldn't stop talking. And just as I was about to wrap up the recording, Richard dropped this, one of my all-time favourite George Michael stories. Well, I'll tell you a quick story about, about George Michael, who was in this, again, this room that we're sitting in now, our dining room. We, um, we would, it was about three years before we left this morning and went to Channel 4. And uh, it was about two weeks before Christmas. And Judy and I were launching, it was a Monday, we were launching 
that year's this morning Christmas appeal. It was it was some children's charity booth, and so we we had the V something that you would have done a VT of some kind, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and the num and the numbers to ring and the lines to call and you know a studio interview, big launch. Okay, that's the Christmas charity, and we came off air at uh, half past twelve, and our then editor was waiting for us in the corridor just outside the studio, hopping from one foot to the other with excitement, and uh, she said, "Guess how much we've raised already for the charity?" And we said, "How much?" She said almost a hundred thousand pounds which was unprecedented and we said what how how that's she said because we had one donation of fifty thousand pounds from one person and we said who from she's like i can't tell you i'm sworn to secrecy so we basically grabbed her by the earlobes and said who from tell us and she said well, it's, it's george michael said george michael watches the show we didn't none of us knew this george michael watches the show all the time he saw the thing and he's phoned in and he's pledged and it's gone through the bank he's in the bank now fifty thousand pounds i said well we've got to call him and thank him so they got his number for us we came home here to our, our house mm -hmm. and that evening at about six o'clock um i'm in the other room and judy's with me and i'm a bit nervous you know we've met them all but bloody hell it's george michael so i dialed his number yeah. and he said he lives you still live just around the corner in Highgate, about a mile away from here. So uh, the phone rings, hello, and it's George Michael's voice. You know, oh my God, I'm talking to George Michael on the phone. Um, so I said, George, it's, it's Richard Maybe. I know you didn't want any of us to know, and we're off. And we have this conversation, and I thank him for that. And we get chatting, and we have a lovely little five or ten minutes chat, and Judy's like earwigging behind me. She wouldn't make the call. She's too, 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 too shy. And then I just heard myself saying, I said, you're just, you live in Highgate, don't you, just around the corner? He said, yeah. I said, well, we're in Hampstead. I said, um... I think we should say thank you to more than just a phone call. Do you think you could come around for, say, Sunday lunch at some time? He said, I can come around this Sunday. And Judy is going, no, this is too much. No, this is too much. And I'm saying, yeah, we can do this Sunday. Um, okay. And I gave him the address. And one o'clock, he said, can I bring Kenny? And Kenny was his lovely American boyfriend at the time. And I said, yeah, sure, bring Kenny. Right, one o'clock Sunday. And I put the phone down and I turned around and Judy was standing on her head. I've never seen... Never seen my wife do a handstand before, but she was standing on her head with a <laughs> Just um, couldn't believe that George fucking Michael was coming to our house for lunch. Um, so, fla so flash forward a few days, and I'm in the kitchen, because I do the cooking, I'm in the kitchen preparing whatever we were having beef, I think it was, for, for Sunday duck. lunch. Well, it was duck, that's right, it's dressed up. Um, and it's bang on one o'clock, the doorbell goes, and I go to you know, wipe my hands on my pinny, and go to the, to the door and open it, and there is... George, it's like a beetle standing on your doorstep. There's George Michael with his shades and his leathers, and he looked at his stubble, and he looked great because he, he, yeah. he was he was about to go on tour, so he he was on a diet and he was looking after himself. This is, this is before he fell into serious drug use, and and his very very gorgeous boyfriend Kenny behind him, and they come in, um, and it was a little bit little bit you know at first, but after a few minutes. We got on, and they were here for hours, weren't About they? Seven hours. Seven hours. Mm. I remember George coming into the kitchen just before I served up, in his shades and his leathers. <laughs> George Michael's in my kitchen, and he said, "Just want to say, Rich, uh, no." He said, "I just want to say, no carbs, if you don't mind, no carbs." And I didn't know what that. I've never heard that before. I didn't know what he meant. And I said, <laughs> I, "Sorry, I don't, I don't understand what." He said, "No carbohydrates." He said, "I'm going on tour in a couple of weeks, and I'm, I'm, I'm still losing weight. So no potatoes, no parsley, none of that. I'll just have the meat and the gravy and the greens. It's fine." So I gave him a plate with no carbs, and you know what? In one minute, he picked up his fork and he was nicking roasters off everybody else's <laughs> plate. Not even with his plate, um, but uh, no, he was he was a he was a lovely man, and it lovely. was uh, he wasn't. He, he, he used to refer to his his singing voice um, with, without pomposity as as quote my gift. And we knew what he meant because it was a gift. I mean, his voice was extraordinary. Was. And, and talking about how he had to guard it and look after it and, you know, not smoke and all that kind of stuff. 
And then, you know, we, we, we stayed friends for, for a few years and then he just got lost in serious drug use and he withdrew from everybody. You couldn't talk to him. You couldn't help him. You couldn't grab him by the elbow and drag him back. He just, uh, he just disappeared into, into drug abuse and then, of course, died. And it was, hor it was a real waste of a human being and of a, of a, uh, a musical genius and of a lovely man. But was he, just... was, he, he was a lovely He was a lovely man. Yeah. Regardless of whatever his um, predilections may have been or his substance abuse, mm. he remained yeah. uh, the most generous and, and, the, and with the kindest of hearts. Absolutely. Can I just tell you both that I knew about George coming to your house for roast up. Did you? Because he, because he told me. <laughs> and can I tell you how he told me? Go on. He went, I went to fucking Richard and Judy's house. He was just as starstruck as you. You lose. <laughs> that is no. so funny. No one's ever told us that before. How yes. funny is that? In May, I managed to steal the brilliant Labour MP, Jess Phillips, away from her frankly ridiculous schedule of meetings to record what quickly became one of my favourite episodes ever. Jess is a rarity, a straight-talking politician. So, of course, she didn't mince her words, and I didn't want her to, especially when it came to talking about Boris, the government, and what it's like to be a woman in politics in this day and age. And in the middle of it all, she gave us this little gem of an anecdote too, an insight into what happens when you get your call returned by the Prime Minister. I'd like to think that if I was the Prime Minister, that and I, I used to bemoan Theresa May for this all the time, is that like she was in a terrible spot where it, divisions were really rife um, in Brexit uh, within her own party as well as across Parliament. Uh, and I used to just think, pick up the phone and talk to us. Like never did, like in all the time she was trying to get her deal through, she never once spoke to the opposition about what should go in the deal. We could have carried the votes had it been better. Uh, but she never once did that. And I used to stand in Parliament and literally just say, those people over there, they're pretending that this is what they're, but they're just trying to get rid of you. They're not honest brokers. Don't listen to those lunatics in your party, Boris Johnson. Um, they're not, they don't have your best interest or the country's best interest at heart. They only have their interest at heart. Give me a call. And then unfortunately she did actually once give me a call. And I was, um, when number 10 Downing Street calls you, it says, it says on your phone, even if you haven't saved it on your phone, uh, it says, Downing Street is calling you, 10 Downing Street, like a call from the Prime Minister. It comes through a switchboard. Does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes through a switchboard. Um, and, and then they tell you that the Prime Minister wants to talk to you and then they put you through to the Prime Minister. But the, when, when she did call me, I was in a nail salon and she was on loudspeaker. And I just was like, please do not... Don't say any more. You're on loudspeaker. I haven't got any hands. My hands are literally under a UV light. Uh, and I was like, I'll call you back. That's hilarious. You back. So you actually got the Prime Minister on loudspeaker as you're drying your shellacs. As I'm having my shellac done. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, that was orcs. Are you in for a treat now? Just as 2022 was waking itself up, Tom Kerridge, one of the best chefs out there, agreed to come and talk to me on the show. We have so many things in common. We're both from the same place. We're pretty much the same age. And sadly, that's where the comparisons end, certainly when it comes to my skills in the kitchen. But what we did share was an affection for food of the 70s and 80s, which came with the side serving of, oh my God, are you kidding me, style revelations, courtesy of Tom. Enjoy. 
right? Saturday night tea was always really exciting for me and my brother. And it was always a crusty roll because oh. there were bakers that in the centre of Gloucester that would do, it was a treat on a Saturday to go in and get fresh rolls from the bakers rather than just rubbishy sliced white bread. And we go, we get fresh crusty rolls and we'd warm them through on the Saturday night and we'd have corned beef from a tin. And, the, and an English mustard on it. Yeah. And it, my brother wouldn't have the English mustard. I think that English mustard was the first point as a young kid, because most kids would have been like, oh my God, what's that big, mm. strong flavor? That was to me that there was something quite adult and something quite grown up about food. And that was probably my first experience of going, all right, food is somewhere where we're heading. And then obviously, I mean, it's Finder's crispy pancakes, bird's yes. eye potato waffles, uh, oxtail soup, and you know that tinned ravioli? Oh, yeah. That with, the, with, the, with the really overcooked pasta and like mince in it that is, I mean, probably now it turns out it might have been horse, the same as Finder's crispy uh, pancake. No. But, but, you no know, one told me that, yeah. Tom. Serious. Finder's I lived on chicken and ham or beef. Mate, you've got Finder's crispy pancakes uh, with the beef ones. You got, yeah, there was a whole scandal a few years ago, mate. It turns out most of that was horse meat. Oh my God, no wonder I do big long wheeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Shit. There, there you are, mate. I know. But, I mean, at the time, it's delicious. Why not? I mean, why it, not? It's, yeah. Well, because yeah, exactly. it's a horse. Then, first, why not? But yeah. Then pot noodles. And then if it's uh -huh. a special, special treat, right? Maybe if you could afford it, we might have had Vionetta. Oh, yeah. Like, like it's the, it's the dessert of dreams. And I mean, it still it's still is, though. <laughs> yeah, it still is. It's still, still, Viennetta is amazing. Now, I remember some Walls Factory, it was obviously in Gloucester at that time. Yeah. So my mate, when he, he used to work at Walls. So I, when I left school, there wasn't quite the same health and safety. So when I was like 15, 16, we could go in the factory and go meet Neil. And I, I remember watching the Viennetta get made. It was an incredible oh. thing on this great big kind of conveyor belt, like the ice cream gets squirted in and chocolate. And then like, so yeah, so a Viennetta would, would finish it. So that's the child, that's childhood food. That felt so posh and fancy as well, Viennetta, didn't it? It wasn't a scoop of walls out of the tub. This was something else. You, it was ice cream you cut. I mean, yeah. who, who I mean, knew? It's amazing. Up next, you're in for a real treat, a face and voice that's familiar to millions, having played the same character for over 30 years in Albert Square. Yes, it's the man you know as Ian Beale, but I know as Adam Woodyat. And, well, we took a beautiful stroll down memory lane. It's a cracking episode full of nuggets like this. You're about to hear what happens when two worlds collide. The worlds I'm talking about, Albert Square and the school gates of Grange Hill, with one of its most famous ever pupils, step forward, Lee MacDonald, yeah, Zamo. Not Christmas just gone, Christmas before, we did, for the, our Christmas Day show on White One Question Time, we reunited the cast of Grange Hill. Oh, brilliant. Um, which was so lovely. And you must have known some of those guys. I mean, we had uh, Lee MacDonald was on there. Um, Lee, Lee had birthday party, because his birthday's pretty close to mine. And the flat, oh. the flat that I had around the corner from the studios in Elstree, back, 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 back in the early eighties. Yeah, we had a we had a, we had a joint birthday party till God knows what. Yeah, all I can remember. I was talking about it the other day, and it got very, very messy. People throwing up in the on top of speakers, <laughs> and the police arriving, and all sorts. Yeah, but it was. It was right, so the police world. walk in, they go, Ian Beale and Zamo, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Thank you.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My next guest, you probably know best for relocating people down under or for her early morning stints at BBC Radio 2. But I knew her back in the 90s when she was one of the best music pluggers and promoters there was in the business. There were very few acts that this woman didn't help to break and shape. But one of them, well, they've gone down in the history books. Here's Nikki Chapman reliving the moment she brought the Spice Girls into my office when I was a rather young 21-year-old editor at Smash Hits. Do you remember bringing the Spice Girls in to see me at Smash Hits? Because I thought that was quite a high-risk move. You didn't have an appointment as far as I knew. I was in a meeting with my publishers, and then out in the office I heard this just chaos unfolding around me. And Helen, my PA, put her head around, and she went, you better come out and see this. And we all had to just leave our desks and and leave this meeting and come out. And we were, I mean, it was a shock and awe exercise in girl power. And there was no way you, all the Spice Girls, were leaving until we committed to support you and cover the act. It's how I actually first saw the Spice Girls. They came into RCA Records on rollerblades, got on the desk. They did everything that we hear about, and it is absolutely <laughs> true. And I was like you. My mouth just hit the floor. And the girls were such a power and they had such belief and they were united. This is what they wanted to do and thoroughly convincing. And then they get out the ghetto blaster and they put it on the side and they start singing, you know, along an acapella and then to a bit of a backing track. And um, I yes. was so blown away. And I sort of said to, to them and to the manager, you know, this is great, but I'm not going to be here because I'm leaving RCA Records. I'm going to go independently. And that's when they said, right, well, we want to be with Nikki. So one of the first acts I took with me was Take That and the Spice Girls and Annie Lennox when I went independent. So they really did help set up my business and the success that we had. Wow. So when you take that element, and no one was doing that at the time, 
you would just come in and just take over, wouldn't you? But yes. it's quite risky. You could, you, it could have backfired. You could have pissed somebody off with it by not sort of well, giving them, you know, we were in the we middle did. of quite an important meeting. We did. Oh, we did. did. <laughs> yeah. We did manage to annoy someone. We did EMAP. We did uh, the breakfast. Um, I can't really repeat what the girls said in today's world to the boys. But it was really fruity. <laughs> they took no prisoners at all. And then I took them into Radio 1 to see a lovely lady called Susie Applin. And Susie was looking after TFI at the time. And I took the girls in. And Chris, who we all know, we love, love Chris Evans, you know, one of the best presenters, broadcasters you're ever going to meet, was in a really bad mood. And he walked past and he said, why don't you not F off back to live and kicking where you belong? <laughs> and I was like that. And we were in this glass office with this ghetto blaster, and the girls giving it all loads as they did. And Jerry literally <laughs> made a beeline for the door. And I was like, no, 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 not today. No, let's just, let's just hang on. He's not in a good mood. I think he'd just been reprimanded by Radio One and we just, the timing was awful. Um, but funnily enough, yeah, after that, it was a success, but it took a long time to convince Chris. That's the truth. The first TV show I put them on was Surprise, Surprise, a lovely lady called Isabel Hatton, and she was the producer. And we dragged her into the toilets, into the ladies' loos, and they did their number for her in the loos. And when I say with their number, I'm obviously talking singing and nothing else. Thanks very much. <laughs> Bit of wannabe, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and she put them on Surprise, Surprise, which was the biggest TV show around at the mm. time. So we did a couple of TV shows, but that was the one that sort of set us up. And radio was really, really slow, and we didn't ever do TFI, not until much, much further, you know, later, further much down later. the line. And Chris was at Radio 1, and he didn't play them. He wouldn't play them, and he had the breakfast show. So it took a lot longer to convince him. But then once he was on board, I think he went out with one, and he really has supported them since then. So, But it doesn't, you know, you look back, and it wasn't all, you know, just steamrolling ahead. There were a few battles to be had because people were a bit like, who are these girls? It's a bit annoying. Are they manufactured? And and there wasn't, although there was a lot of hype around Spice Girls, it didn't feel overly manufactured because they were such a dominant no. force and they took control of every conversation. Every conversation. I went to um, Japan with them. We hadn't even mm. charted. And uh, we took out Loaded with us. Funnily enough, they were one of the first mags to sort of, Think, oh, actually, and they tried to take them on, and it was hilarious because the journalists in the end were like, I surrender. You know, they loved the girls, but the girls weren't giving them an inch. And that's what they did because they truly believed in what they stood for. It wasn't a man or a woman mm. behind them going, Hey, I've got this great idea. Let's talk about girl power. It came from them, it was transparent, it was authentic, and they believed it. And here we are, 20 years yeah. down the line, and just having to celebrate 20 years of wannabe. Um, and it's more resonant today than it's ever been. Over 20 years ago, we all pretty much fell under the spell of Kate Lawler. Well, millions of us did anyway, because we voted for her to become the winner of Big Brother. And so much of her charm was her ability to laugh at herself, to tell it like it is, and to feel that she was truly one of us. Well, two decades on, she still has all of that appeal in an abundance, especially when it comes to talking about some of the bigger stuff in life, the important stuff. Here she is opening up about how she and her now husband struggled in the first few months as they came to terms with life as new parents. It's been, oh my goodness me, since we became parents, our relationship has changed so much. And I want to say for the better, mm. but sadly, 
we both know, and the thing is we're acutely aware of this, that we are that we haven't prioritised our relationship at all. And we know that we need to take steps to improve it. We're getting married in two months and we've actually had like the hardest year as a couple so far. Um, but it's not like we didn't have a baby and we didn't have this huge life change and we had a bad year. You know, we know that it's because we became parents and your life changes monumentally when you become parents, yeah. especially when you've gone your whole life. Like I didn't have a baby in my 20s. I, I waited 40 years. You know, I, I, I spent so long just being a dog mum and having the freedom, you know, financial freedom and, you know, going on holidays where we could just go to adults only resorts and we loved it. And, you know, just going out. <laughs> yeah, the, those days are gone back. Devastated. And whenever we wanted and just being <laughs> free and being just us with the dogs. And so it was just a huge shock because I was confident that I would love every second of being a new mum and that I would, because I, I had a really good pregnancy and I just felt really ready for it. But the reality was so far from what we see on social media. And mm. and also, it I wasn't prepared for the seismic shift in our relationship and what it would do to our relationship. I never, I thought it would change my life, me personally, but I didn't think about how much it would affect us as a couple. Even though I had friends giving me advice saying, look, you're both going to say things that you don't mean when you're in those newborn days. You're both yeah. going to be more tired than you've ever been before. Try not, try to yeah. draw a line on whatever's happened at the end of each day and start fresh the next day because you just have to remember why you did this in the first place, right? And we always remind ourselves why we had Mara in the first place because we love each other. And we look at her now and we're just like, how have we made this perfect little person? Like, she's incredible. And she's enriching our lives in more ways than we've ever thought possible. But... We only went out, we went out for a curry the other night because I pointed out that since Noel was born a year ago, we've only been out on our own on a day twice. It's not good enough. Like, a twice is... But it's like finding the time to do that, Kate, especially when you mm. start doing work. And if you've got the time, you go, I don't want to go out tonight. <laughs> I just want to go and sit in the bath. I just want so to read true. a book. I just, you know, I actually don't want to talk to you. Yeah. You annoy me. I, I can't be bothered <laughs> like to put that. on makeup and find something to wear. <laughs> I want to go and sit in my pajamas and read. But yeah, exactly that. And so we'd only been out for our anniversary in June, which was March, April, May, June. Four months after Noah was born, we went out to Galvin La Chapelle. We got all dressed up and went out on a date. We spent most of it looking in on the monitor, like, oh, is she okay? Um, his mum was babysitting. And <laughs> Big Brother Part Two. Oh, my goodness, me, a pair of us. And I was like, oh, let's just enjoy ourselves. But yeah, so it wasn't like, you know, we just haven't spent enough quality time together. And we've had, you know, really deep and meaningful conversations about how I've put my work before him. And he pointed out very recently about, you know, the amount of work I've taken on and how I've just, you know, so the last week has been great because I've finished Virgin. And I said, honestly, when I when I finish Virgin, when I stop doing the radio, I think I swear things will be different. And so far, so good. This week has been brilliant. We've been really close. We've like, both getting over COVID, so we've been a bit poorly, but we've been really in a good place where we've spoken, we've been present with each other, we're talking, we're communicating, you know, we're like, we're just better with each other. And I think that's because I have more time and I'm happier and I'm not worrying about something that I've got to do for work or worrying about mm. something that I've got to do with Noah before I go to work. So, yeah. Yes. It's, it's emotional bandwidth, isn't it? You need to... 
Yeah. Take all of those to-do lists and shrink them to put your family first. It's really hard, Kate. I really feel for you. And don't forget, in amongst all of this, we've been living through a pandemic in which you've had a baby. You've just come through COVID. You've had horrible experiences of postnatal depression, which should never be underestimated. You've gone back to work. You've written a book. You'd only just finished up doing doing your house up. Look who's stalking, Kate. Yes, I follow you on Instagram. I know. Uh, but it's a lot. It's a lot, darling. You've you've put a lot on your very tiny shoulders and you've bought, you've, you know, there, there are always going to be cracks at the end of that. So be kind to yourself. Thank you. That means a lot, Kate. I think, do you know what we did? <clears throat> it was Bodge's suggestion that we start couples therapy and I can't recommend it enough because it's really helped us. Mm. You know, she's um, given us tools that we've applied when it comes to that, that feeling like when uh, an argument is brewing and you know that you're going to go down a road which is going to lead to anger and shouting. So we're we're really, really working on our relationship thanks to this lovely lady called Diana. But also um, the therapy, as she, she she pointed out that we've both gone through so much in the past. You're not just having a kid. We moved house, we renovated straight away and as soon as that was done, we had Noah. Then obviously the postnatal hit. Bodge was setting up his own company, which is a big thing as well. Oh, wow. You know, he's now running his That's own company. Huge. He quit his job or he got made redundant and then set up his own company. So that was a big thing. Oh my and then, God, and then you've I, had so I know, much going I know. on. And then I went back to work and wrote the book. So it's all just come to a head recently. I just want to give you a hug <laughs> because you're trying to be everything to everyone and then do. there's nothing left but for you. But we all do, don't we? we do. And I think that there needs to yeah. be these conversations about how much having a, ch- a child can impact your relationship. And I felt really bad saying this to Bodge because I think he knew that I was going to say it. But I, part of the reason why I didn't want a kid was because I was so scared of what it would do to our relationship and how damaged we would be as a result of having a child and not having time for us anymore. That I feel that he knew that I, you know, when the arguments were brewing over the last year and I'd say, this is why I knew we shouldn't have had, and I hate say, I hate myself for saying that because it's horrible for him to hear it. For me saying, like, I knew that it would do this to us. I knew that it would break us. I knew that we would end up, like, resenting each other and falling out and becoming, like, distant and, you know, being in, like, the worst place possible for a couple who are about to get married. But we're, like, coming out of the other side. We know what we need to do. And we, we, we're, we're trying to, like, make sure that at the, at the bottom of this, that us going into our marriage, we want to start on the right foot, which is why we, we, we just had decided therapy would be the best route for us and... We would just focus on spending more time together as a family and less time on our phones and less time working in the evenings when we're supposed to be having like that quality time together. I'm signing off this episode with a guest that I was so thrilled to have on the show. She does very few interviews and is a small screen legend. Yeah, fun Britain came on the show. We talked about everything under the sun over a good couple of bottles of wine. And when it came to swapping war stories about juggling parenting and returning to work, well, there was no competition. Fun wins this one, hands down. So this is my best working mum story. Okay. There's a very rude, the rudest word you can think of in this. Would you like me to, am I allowed to say it? You can say it and we'll treat it accordingly. Okay, perfect. Thank you. The boys were about seven at primary school. And as all children do, as we know, they don't tell you that there's an important day at school the next day until about nine o'clock the night before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they'd been bathed and scrubbed and in their gym jams and they were in bed. 
and then suddenly going, oh, mama, yes, mom, uh, tomorrow is evacuees day. Nine o'clock the night before school, they say to me, oh, they come back downstairs, you know, just as your opening glass went. And also I'm working the next morning on this morning and I have to get up at five. So this is like a quick glass of wine into bed myself. Come downstairs, mom, yes, it's evacuees day at school tomorrow. Oh, okay. What does that mean? Well, we've got to dress in evacuee clothes and have an evacuee's lunchbox. And so I'm already like meltdown, but keeping it in. Yeah. My mum's there and my mum says to me, um, well, you're going to have to wrap the sandwiches in greaseproof paper and it can't be, it can't be sliced bread. You've got to have bread that, well, I haven't got any bread that's, oh, well, well do what you can. But, uh, and I, so I'm trying to make up this uh, little lunch with grease with paper I did have some of that and then of course I put in an orange no 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 we didn't see oranges till 1950 you know oh God. so take the <laughs> God. orange out so no crisps then mum no no crisps okay no um, oh and uh, they'll need a gas mask box around their neck just just make a little box and put some string around it and put it around mother I have to do two because there's two of them, two of everything. And it's now half past nine and I'm going to be up at five and the car comes at six. So I really have got to. Anyway, went upstairs and found, thank goodness, um, they had a granny who knitted beautifully. So hand knitted granny jumpers. They're shorts, grey shorts. They've sort of grown out of by then, but hey ho. And everything. So I got into bed going, it's done. Got up the next morning. They're still asleep. I had a fantastic nanny called Super Sue. And Super <laughs> Sue arrives at just before six. And I'm saying, bye-bye, Sue. It's evacuees day. Don't worry. Everything's done. Lunch boxes in the fridge. The, 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 everything's there. Sure. Okay, okay, that's fine. Bye. And I picked up Winifred, who I was taking to work with me every day. So they've got little Winnie. I've already bath changed, fed her. Not bath, but, you know, changed her, cleaned her fed her get her in the car in her little seat and she nods off for a bit and then I'm reading the papers and reading the script and writing up my interviews and reading all the research notes you know so that takes an hour and a half and it was about a yeah. two-hour journey to get in for me to get in to work get into work get Winnie out get into the dressing room feed Winnie again um sort of da, da, la, 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 do all the professional stuff and the producer says to us now then we've got an actress from um the vagina monologues coming in um and uh, she she does the um well she does the soliloquy called um reclaiming the c word can i say it it's rude it's called reclaiming cunt and yes, which is a poem or as you say, it's a soliloquy that starts the yeah. show, right? And it's all about women taking that word back to us for us. It's not a, it's not just saying somebody's yeah. horrible. It's actually yeah. no, it's us. She must not say that word. Don't let yeah. her say that word. She'll be absolutely briefed, says the producer, <laughs> not to say that word. Okay, all right, fine. So let me move on. A couple more items. Another item. Oh, and we have um, a pair of people in who design fantastic vibrators, but we're not allowed to say vibrator or clitoral stimulation. We can only say they're sex toys. Uh, and that's it. Uh, okay, okay. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Finally, yeah. get into the studio. Off we go. Actress comes in. And immediately says, yeah, I do uh, reclaiming cunt. 
and the paper the next day said the presenters appeared not to notice. It was John and I, and we just were like. <laughs> then along comes Sex Toys, who immediately starts talking about how it works on your clitoris immediately. So okay, oh, <laughs> and then I realised as I was ready to leave the studio, oh shit. I'm going to do the Daily Mail hand over a National Health Service Pride of the National Health Service Award that the Daily Mail run. And I've got to get to a hotel in Kensington and I've got Winnie and oh, so lovely driver I have with me for my entire 10 years. Tony, he took me to the hotel. I get out with like, I'm late already. 15, 20 minutes late. I have the baby under my arm. I run in, say to the receptionist, I've come for that. Yes, yes, up the stairs, second on the right, down the long corridor, through the door. Thank you, thank you. Up the stairs. Open the doors to find the entire room sitting there, turning around and looking at me. A man on the stage saying, and here she is now, Fern Britain. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, lovely um, Lynn Foltzwood was sitting there and she said, give me the baby, give me the baby. So I gave her the baby and then I went up, (laughs) no time to do anything, went up and they went, hello, how lovely to see you. And um, please, Fern, it's all yours. There's the microphone. I'm going, oh, I didn't have my glasses on. So I couldn't read the piece of paper. Oh, no, they, I hadn't even got a piece of paper at that stage. So I went, I blagging, blagging, thinking I'll remember something in a minute. No, nothing. And then I <laughs> said to the man, I, I'm so sorry. I have forgotten uh, the piece of paper. So he gave me the piece of paper and I went, oh, no, I can't read it because I haven't got my glasses on. Oh, oh, I'm so oh, sorry. No. <laughs> and I was sweating, sweating. And all these National Health Service heroes sitting there waiting <laughs> to receive an award. Uh, uh, and then finally, I, I was I just uh, got the name, got the thing. The man had to whisper it to me. It's da da da, and she's winning it for blah blah blah. Okay, okay. Finally, I said it. This lady came up, desperately overcompensating. Oh, you're wonderful! Congratulations! Thank you so much. Photo, photo, photo. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I felt like an absolute toad. Finally got off the stage. Linda Lee Potter stops me. Remember the columnist from the Daily Mail? Quite scary. I'd often written, oh, yes, yes, I'd often written yeah. rather snipily yeah. about me. And she said, come here and sit next to me. Suddenly yeah. I was on this lunch table sitting next to Linda, who was actually very sweet in real life. And the Lynn Falswood delivered me Winnie. <laughs> so I'm going, oh, 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 no, just sweating. Anyway, I managed to blag it. I said, I'm so sorry, I can't stay for lunch. I really have to go. Got out of the room with Winnie. Went down the stairs. Oh, there was Tony outside with the car. He jumped out of the car. He helped me into the car with Winnie. We got her in her car seat. And I sat down and thought, oh, that was a nightmare. But I think I've got away with it. And then my phone rang. And it was Super Sue, the nanny. So I went, hi, Sue, you're right. She said, yeah, you do know it wasn't evacuee day today, do you? I took the children to school. They looked like bloody idiots. I had to take them home again and get them changed. I just thought, <laughs> I mean, that's grim, isn't it? I was just, excuse me, but I was no, just, I mean, 
a fucking idiot the whole day. And that and that and it wasn't my fault necessarily, <laughs> apart from the fact that I couldn't read and I hadn't got the right piece of paper. But you just oh So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for taking a short stroll down memory lane as we revisited some of the brilliant guests that we've had on the show across the first half of 2022. And don't forget, there's tons of other brilliant chats in our back catalogue with the likes of Carol McGiffin, who was on earlier this year, Simon Mayo, Louis Walsh, Hanson, Sally Lindsay, Biggins, Piggins. His stories, as you would imagine, are phenomenal. As always, a huge thanks to Ben Robbins and the Yahoo Studios team who produced the show with me. Our music, as always, comes courtesy of Andy Bell, who's just fresh off stage at Glastonbury with his latest material. You can find that wherever you get your music. I'll see you next week. Until then, thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.